This is a recording of Dr. Sue Hewson speaking at the Sunday, June 5th, 2016 meeting of the BC Humanist Association in Vancouver. Dr. Hewson is the Dying with Dignity Canada board member and Vancouver chapter coordinator and past president of the BC Humanist Association. This talk was recorded on the day before Canada's criminal law banning assisted suicide was struck down, allowing physicians to grant a suffering patient medical assistance in dying. In this talk, Sue speaks about the fight for the right to die with dignity and the issues with the Canadian government's proposed Bill C-14. The bill is currently before the Senate and has already been amended to remove some of the more problematic language. Things are changing every hour in this discussion though, so we wanted to get this podcast online as soon as possible. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the BCHA or its board of directors. To learn more about humanism and to support our work, visit bchumanist.ca. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to subscribe to the BC Humanist Podcast and leave a review on iTunes. Good morning. I'm just going to get my computer back up. Thank you all for coming out. Uh, Hands up. Who here has heard of Dying with Dignity Canada? guys are an easy house. Okay, believe it or not, when I do talks uh, in various places, there are usually two-thirds of the people who have heard of us and one-third who haven't. So all of us who volunteer and work for Dying with Dignity Canada are are trying to make that be uh, a 100% show of hands. Why would this be? This would be because we've worked on the most important legislation since the Charter, in my humble opinion, uh, and we collaboratively teamed with the BC um, uh, Civil Liberties Association in work that was not always easy when you're gathering nonprofits and charitable peoples together for a common cause, but with limited funding. And I'll talk more about money at the end. Yes, I will. Um, but We're very proud of ourselves, actually, because we've been around for 30 years and promoting and expanding end-of-life choice for all Canadians. We have, on a very limited budget and with very few people, managed to help individuals at end-of-life, and every one of those individuals is uh, incredibly important to us. And in addition, we have made a national uh, presence as the national go-to organization, and we will continue to do so. I'll talk a little bit more about that going forward. So tomorrow, June 6th, despite what Jane Philpott has to say, the sky will not fall. And if you need assistance in dying, you may have it. Because what will happen as of tomorrow is that the prohibition against assisted death will no longer be there. And this is an aspect of the criminal code. It's section 241B. I'll show you a slide about that in a moment just to to pad things out. But that is what happens as of tomorrow. And if you are personally in need or know someone who is in need of assisted dying and you would qualify, We have here in Vancouver, Hemlock Aid and Dying, who we work very closely with. 
And that's Dr. Ellen Weeb and Dr. Rowie Mallison. If you need information about them or how to contact them, I'm happy to provide that. So let's move forward a little bit. So what did the Carter ruling say? A little bit of a recap, just February 6th of last year was when the Supreme Court made their ruling in the case of Kay Carter. Kay was one of three plaintiffs. There was Gloria Taylor, Kay Carter, and William Shosett. What made this case different from Sue Rodriguez is that we had three different peoples who are affected by the prohibition of assisted dying, and we had precedents from several international jurisdictions where assisted dying is now legal. So this painted a very different picture. From the constitutional side of things, there are also some differing interpretations of Section 1 of the Charter, but I'll leave the constitutional law side out a little bit, not being a lawyer or an expert on constitutional law. So what was unique about the Carter ruling? One of the things that was unique was that the nine Supreme Court justices unanimously agreed that the prohibition on assisted dying should be suspended. Not only did they agree, they all individually signed the document. This is quite unusual in this country. So we lifted the absolute prohibition against assisting suicide. You will know from our public work, as well as the work of parliamentarians and senators who support assisted dying, that you will not see the word suicide being used. Anybody? Joanne, I know you said nobody to talk, but I'm going to invite it right now. Why is the word suicide there? I would guess because it's loaded with all kinds of connotations. No, it is loaded with connotations, absolutely. What's that? Religious. No, it's the word in, yes, it's in the criminal code, exactly. So suicide is the word that's in the criminal code. So when you're talking about amending the criminal code, it is still completely appropriate to talk about suicide. When you're talking about assisting someone who's suffering and dying, it's assistance in death. And here we go, good old section 241B. And the other section of the criminal code that was ruled upon is section 14. So I know I'm just reading off the slide here, and you can all read it. So they ruled that section 241B and section 14 of the criminal code unjustifiably infringe section 7 of the charter. And section 7 of the charter is the section dealing with liberty, security, and freedom of the person. And so this slide goes on to the next one. So those sections are of no force or effect to the extent that they prohibit physician-assisted death for a competent adult person, and we'll expand on that in a little bit, who one, clearly consents to the termination of life and has a grievous and irremediable medical condition. And I'm really, really hoping that when we do the question and answer that people will circle back to grievous and irremediable, and I'll try really hard to be brief and not get too animated. So the thing that's really important, though, what's beautiful about these words is that they are restricted to suffering, which is reasonable, 
but look at the depth and breadth that they give to someone who is suffering and and how that suffering affects them the word irremediable too if somebody can just keep that in mind definitions of irremediable are are really interesting and and again we can circle back to that so there's gloria taylor who will go down in history as the first canadian woman to be granted the right to have an assisted death sadly gloria died of complications of peritonitis not the als that she was suffering from which terminated her life and then just below we have uh kind of fuzzy sorry uh but we have some of the members of the of the team we have alison uh latimer and sheila tucker on the right uh we have elaine chaprae and her husband howard elaine's in the wheelchair grace pastine of bc civil liberties association who um i have great regard for and has worked incredibly well with us and i'm sure you could get grace to come up and speak if you wanted to and um some of kay carter's family and gloria's mother to the left in the burgundy and uh and gloria's uh son so as most of you know after we had the supreme court ruling and we're celebrating uh february 6 2015 he who shall not be named was uh still prime minister and they really dropped the ball they had months to work on crafting legislation ask the experts ask physicians ask the college of physicians and ask canadians how they wanted this law to look they had no intention of touching this when they finally five and a half months later appointed the external panel to look at these questions i think it was 18 days later but maybe you can correct me ian that um the rip was dropped and we went into an election cycle and so that means that you couldn't do you could ask for submissions but you couldn't go and do town halls and that sort of thing across the country for the record there were three people on the external panel two of whom gave evidence were interveners for the government against assisted dying in the carter case fair i think not the third person benoit pelletier is a constitutional uh, law expert and he has actually come out in the last couple of months uh in support of assisted dying and the recommendations of the special joint committee so while the external panel was doing something they actually did gather some information that was useful so i i can't condemn them too much that's not fair uh the the ter- the provincial and territorial uh committee also got off the ground they were not a governmental body it was dr uh jennifer gibson and uh maureen um i'm going to say low cuz that's don's last name uh and and they did a, a beautiful uh poll interestingly if you looked at the two polls back to back if you went online and did either or both of the polls from the external panel or the provincial committee while some of the questions looked similar the framing was completely different and there was a preamble in the external panel poll that was embedded with warning words about assisted dying and and pejorative use of words as well. So so there was a lot of really interesting spin doctoring going on uh there. 
So we had the election. We thought the king was dead. But uh, we now, after initial excitement, at least on my part, have a government that has made a huge rookie mistake on a really important piece of legislation. The new government asked for an extension, and they were granted a four-month extension until tomorrow, June 6th, when the sky won't fall. And they really didn't grab the file as vigorously as they should have. And when they did, they appointed a special joint committee uh, that's co-chaired by Murray Rankin, an NDP MLA from Victoria. Murray's a great guy if you ever get a chance to meet him, and also um, uh, his knowledge of constitutional law is extensive. And also Rob Oliphant, who is the liberal, um, one of the liberal MPs uh, for Toronto Don Valley. Their recommendations were above and beyond anything we had hoped for at Dying with Dignity. They wanted breadth and depth, and they also wanted to include advanced consent, mature minors, and people with mental illness. The Justice Minister really balked at this. And what's interesting about this legislation is that when you look at it from a legal perspective and an intellectual perspective, the argument makes absolute sense. But of course, when you're dealing with life and death, people's opinions and experiences weigh heavy. And they should. They should be listened to, but they shouldn't inform the legislation. So it's really interesting looking at the people who are formulating the legislation, or who did formulate the legislation, I should say, Bill C-14, which is currently at the Senate. And they are calling it a responsible first step they still hold to that, but for us at Dying with Dignity Canada and for most of the members on the Special Joint Committee, if the Carter ruling was the floor, Bill C-14 is in the basement. And one of the things that we've been arguing with, and we've, the, the Prime Minister's office has actually been very receptive to Dying with Dignity, um, both our, um, our executives and many of the members of the board have had opportunities to meet um, with uh, Jane Philpott and also um, with Jody Wilson-Rabel and other officials uh, affiliated with, with their offices, but they, they will not budge on the idea that this is a responsible first step. And, uh, and how about those senators? <laughs> Who else is really excited to see that the, the house of sober second thought may in fact be sober and thinking? <laughs> so uh, the Senate has been incredible. They've been very receptive to letter writing campaigns. They've been receptive to um, interviews. They've been receptive to emails. I suspect that many of you in here have uh, emailed or phoned your senators and have probably been surprised and maybe delighted at uh, the level of response that you've gotten. Um, we, we certainly are very happy about it. So I have included some links here. And for those of you who have insomnia, I can send this presentation to Ian. And you can link on to these other publications and, and read them if you like. The Special Joint Committee uh, is uh, 
their recommendations. It's a really nice document. So what are the hotly debated recommendations? Um, mental illnesses. So at Dying with Dignity, we say that psychiatric conditions should not exclude an individual from eligibility for medical aid in dying. Is this an issue that requires great sensitivity for the individual involved? Absolutely it is. Does this expand into an argument about how good is mental health care for individuals and, and groups in, in this country? And of course this is so. But for Bill C-14 to pass as it stands, it's going to discriminate against someone who has a primary diagnosis of mental illness and who is suffering intolerably. Were mental illness to be included, you need to know that the number of individuals qualifying for and accessing this service would be very small. But they should not be discriminated against. They should not be left out of this legislation. Mature minors. Um, this is a really tricky one, and the argument usually falls too. If you have someone who is um, often uh, a, a cancer is used as the example. Someone who's 18 and is is dying of, uh, of neoplasia, of cancer, then they would qualify. But if you have someone who's 17 and a half, they, they wouldn't. And we argue against uh, this as well. We say that it's a matter of competency, not age. Again, you're looking at a very small population. You're looking at a population of people who still have to be able to ask for the service be unremitting in their request and, and be assessed by at least two physicians who say that yes, they have grievous and irremediable suffering. We would have been happy if Bill C-14 had addressed mature minors and mental illness as something to be a staged implementation. That would have been absolutely acceptable to us, but they just said no. They also said no to advanced requests. And this is kind of the heartbeat of dying with dignity, if you will, because so many of the people who ask for our help do have conditions from which they are living poorly and dying horribly from, but slowly. We believe that the advanced request system should be a universal, and it needs to be different from what advanced care directives are right now. Again, the Provincial and Territorial Committee had a really good uh, document and ideas about this. We would like to see that people are very specific in their advanced requests, and uh, we don't even think that a diagnosis is necessary, although we would settle for that if that's what uh, Bill C-14 would allow. And this would allow for someone uh, who has, uh, for instance, dementia, and dementia kind of is our, our wheelhouse, to specify at what point in loss of cognition or physical function or combination of the two, they would not wish to uh, continue to live. Come on, you guys, talking about dying won't kill you. Chill up a little. <laughs> All right, conscientious objection. Uh, we're all for it. I don't want some horribly religiously based thinker to be at my bedside, but I'm dying. Be gone, say I. Um, but they cannot refuse and not give you someone who would support you in your death. 
and one of the things that we're going to be fighting hard and continue to fight hard about is we respect conscientious objection of the individual, but at the minimum you must have an effective referral if this is your request and the various health care facilities that are run by religious governing bodies have not seen the last of us yet. Institutions do not have rights to refuse. We are so happy to work with the people who live in these hospitals, who work in these hospitals, who have trouble wrapping their heads around assisted death. We'll work with them. We'll help them move along with it, but they cannot ask someone who's been in their care and has been receiving good care from them and does not wish to be moved at the time of their death. We cannot accept that they would transfer a patient in this state rather than help them finish out their natural life. So it's wrong on an institutional level, but we'll work with them. You can all read the slide, but I'm going to say it anyway. We believe that all Canadians who qualify for medical assistance in dying must have access to an assisted death with a willing and compassionate health team. The federal government is compelled to amend the Criminal Code of Canada, and provinces and territories must amend health care guidelines to assist access and information. But wait, there's more about that. You have to forgive me. I had to rewrite some of these slides this morning because this is changing on an hourly basis. There's just some of our team. Wanda Morris, our ex, outgoing I should say, CEO. We now have Shanaz Gokul. Wanda honestly deserves an Order of Canada. She's an honorary member of the BC Humanist Association. And her personal work, bringing people together and creating a team. Oh, and coming to my door and saying, do a rally. I won't ask anything else of you. But she has created an extraordinary team of hundreds of volunteers across this country who give countless hours for something that we really believe in. That's Derek Smith, who's the chair of our Physicians Advisory Council, holding the Physician Assisted Dying is Healthcare sign. Elaine Chapre, who many of you will know, who will be using assistance at some point going forward, probably relatively soon. And Shanaz Gokul is up in the upper right-hand corner. Shanaz has proven to be a very capable advocate. So now what? He's going to slide the road this morning. So the Senate is adjourned until tomorrow. So we will have suspension of the prohibition on assisted dying as of tomorrow. The Colleges of Physicians and Surgeons have made guidelines for all provinces and territories, including Nunavut, sorry, excepting Nunavut. So here's what's interesting. Did any level of government during the questioning and the formation of this legislation contact the colleges or MRAC, which is the legislating body of guidelines in the colleges, about their input? Guess what? No. And who, at the end, are the groups of people and the individuals who are going to prevent this guy from falling tomorrow? It's the Colleges of Physicians and Surgeons. So you can actually go online and read the BC College. The guidelines are not the same all across the country. That's a bit of a concern to some people. But here's the thing. They weren't going to be anyway. Criminal code, judicial matters, federal. Health care, provincial. 
So there was already going to be um, some flux there. In our group, both our Toronto head office and those of us who work in BC, we have tried so hard to get an audience with uh, Terry Lake and Christy Clark, but they're awfully busy. I think healthcare is going to be done in pipelines in the future. Um, but uh, but they, they simply will not engage. Uh, the NDP, on the other hand, uh, has been engaging. But right now you're seeing the provinces not having an appetite for legislation. Joyce, does this remind you of anything? <laughs> so this is very similar to um, what happened with abortion. Um, so one of the things, I think this is my next slide. Yeah, one of the things that Bill C-14 did get right was that nurses, nurse practitioners, pharmacists, and even members of your family or public that assisted someone at the time of death, they were, were free from any um, uh, legal action against them. And that was one of the really good aspects. Right now, as of tomorrow, nurses, nurse practitioners, and pharmacists are probably going to be a little cold-footed about assisting. Uh, again, the government would like to put a spin on that uh, doctors will be afraid, and I don't believe that to be true, certainly from the doctors that we've spoken to. So, dying with dignity, uh, we just had our annual general meeting uh, last weekend in Toronto, and we are looking to regain our charitable status. Uh, we'll keep you posted on that. We will continue to advocate. One of the things about charitable status, as you all know from our own organization here, is that only 10% of your only 10% of your work can be political advocacy, and it can't even be one of your principles of, of action. However, if you're advocating for a human right, open slate. And as of tomorrow, when the sky doesn't fall, this will be a human right in this country. Um, so, so we'll be there. We are shifting back to access information and support because we have noticed just from the various levels of governance that as usual, this is, is not where people are looking. They're all afraid of the argument rather than looking at implementation. I'm kind of excited because we are developing more and more social workers, so my hope in the future is that at least in every province and hopefully in many communities of provinces, we establish a collaboration between our um, volunteer and or paid, if we can afford it, social workers who will liaise with patients and the providers and we will continue to educate and inform the public and do advanced care planning seminars, rallies, zombie fashion shows. Um, really, we're having a zombie fashion show in September. You've got to come. It's going to be awesome. Um, and the other thing that's really important is that we have decided to go ahead with development of a roster of physicians who will provide. Uh, it is shameful that the government hasn't even really thought of that yet. In Alberta, there's a 1-800 line. Call this number, get someone to kill you. But when you call, nobody picks up. Awesome. So that's, that's kind of what we're doing. I think that's the bulk of my yipping and yapping. 
Um, but just like BCHA, we are a very small organization with a core staff of five who are working at about 125% capacity right now. The administration aspect of our pie is tiny. We do really well on a shoestring. But in order to continue to be the organization that we have been and will be going forward, we do need your help. I am shamelessly asking for money. I know I'm not supposed to do that at another charity, but if you can't give it to us, give it to BCHA. And we also are organizations that have extremely competent directors who should be supported in all their good work. Okay, that's kind of it for what's happening right now.